No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house right now here in the Spring Hill area. We are not seeing any rain, but according to my phone, it's supposed to be raining anytime. So hopefully you guys are staying dry and uh, not too humid outside for you guys. So if you want to join the show, it's easy. 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. We are live here on this beautiful Saturday. So if you've got questions, we are getting closer to tax deadline. So if you're a business, a corporation, or well, unless you're on a fiscal year, uh, LLC, Anything like that, uh, sub S corporations, you do have a deadline of 9-15, September 15th, and then individuals that did file extensions, and this is only for individuals that have filed extensions or businesses, the deadline is 10-15. We are already at the 1st of August, guys, so if you haven't started working on your numbers, preparing that information, you're going to need to make sure that you are dealing with that. I do want to also open the show explaining that I don't know about other tax people. And if you're listening, I always appreciate the fact that you guys do listen. Um, I'm going to say I'm running into issues where people we file back in March and April on time and not having their refunds yet. Um, when we go online, the IRS just has this whole apology. Sorry, it's taking longer than normal to process your return, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and no, no letters coming to the taxpayer saying that there was some issue. They couldn't prove the W-2 or your federal withholdings, or, you know, that they changed the tax return for some reason. It's just sitting out there in limbo. So um, would be great to, to hear if anyone else has had that problem, because um, hopefully it's not just my clients. It's not that many, but in comparison, but still any one client that's been waiting uh, for months and months, um, you know, to get your money is supposed to take 21 days on most basic tax returns, then, you know, we're always wondering, and, and if anyone has had any success calling the IRS. Now I haven't had to call them last week, but the week before I did, and it took me two days, um, pretty much straight calling to get through to somebody that at that time was having computer issues and they weren't really able to help out. Wasn't the IRS's issue, but you know, when you're, you're spending 12 hours on and off, you know, getting hung up on and everything else, it, it becomes that person's problem because you're sitting there basically saying, I understand you're having computer problems, you know, totally can relate to that, but this is like 12 hours and I'm trying to get resolution for someone and we are not able to do anything. Can you call me back? Can you, you know, transfer me to someone that maybe is in a different state that's not having computer issues where I don't have to wait? And the answer, of course, is no, no, and no. So um, all we can do is keep working with the system that we have. I know uh, we had a, um, seminar here in Tennessee, where I, I had a couple people say that they have used um, some of the robotic services that will actually call the IRS and get through. Some have had a lot of success. Others that I spoke to did not sound like they were having any success. So again, I think it's really the luck of the draw when you call the time of the day um, and possibly where, you know, where you're at. So hopefully if you're dealing with this issue and you have a question, I, I'd be more than glad to help you and tell you what we're doing 
Um, it doesn't mean that it's going to be a lot of help sometimes. And I always feel I wish I had a better answer on some things, but you can join the show 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. I sometimes think it's nice when other people hear, you know, either they've had this issue and it got resolved that, you know, whatever. So if you're, you know, if you've, if you've had it or you're still dealing with it, that's a, an important situation. I also want to put a huge shout out to the tax advocate office here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I had a client, um, an unusual situation happened. She ended up with a large amount of money and she's on a very small fixed income. And it was a 2020 return. We filed, we corrected, we we've communicated through the mail. And now, you know, we're, we're already a a year into uh, the the process and she was very um, upset, very um, just feeling like, you know, that this wasn't going to happen. And there was, you know, 30 some thousand dollars out there. And um, uh, one of the tax that we, we, did a 911 form, submitted it to the tax advocate office. I'm preparing her that, hey, she went online, made an appointment at the IRS's office because I'm like, okay, we can go down there. I don't think they will be able to help us, but you know, whatever we need to do, let's see if we can get somebody, a human being to talk to you so you understand what's going on. But um, less than a few weeks after we faxed the information in, someone from the advocate office called um, and, and spoke to her as well as myself. But Bottom line was they were able to say, hey, I see your situation. I've got your case. At this point, it's a human being. It's just that simple. When somebody in a different division or whatever can call and just say, hey, you know what? We know it's taking a while. We have... It's just that, that that was huge. Just making that phone call at this point, she's not sure what kind of resolution she's still just getting the files and getting the information, but by being able to talk to the, the, the client for me and, and just put to heart that, Hey, you know, I see the tax form. I see, I understand what you're saying. I've got all the documents. Give me 30 days and let me see what I can do. That was just, um, it was a lot of help. I mean, even if she had said, you know what, this is what the problem is and we can't do something. It still would have been more help than where we're, we were at just guessing and trying to make things happen. So again, um, tax advocate office, I am a big fan. Um, and more than once you guys have, have definitely helped my clients. So um, let's go on to the phone lines. We have uh, Jen first in Nashville. She looks like she might have a love letter to share with us. Hey, Jen. It's Jane. Jane, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry, sweetie. It's okay. That's that's all Lavidius's had, fault. Uh, totally his fault. <laughs> absolutely. The uh, I have a very young son who has young children, and this is mm-hmm. the first year he's claiming him on his taxes. Right. And I've been lucky enough to hear from the IRS three times. Uh, they denied his return and requested proof that they were his mm-hmm. dependents. Sure. Then I got another letter in with how much he owes uh, for what they sent him in a return plus penalties plus interest. Right. I wound up, I filed his taxes for him. So I, what I did was I sent them copies of the birth certificates with his name as the father on them and some school records and uh perfect that's great school records are wonderful they sent me another letter that said uh we're reviewing uh your submission you'll hear from us anytime from now to january 23 yeah well i mean at least they're communicating i mean it may not be the kind of communication we want um, often in those situations, did someone else claim the children the year before or in prior years, or is it a brand new child? 
I, I claimed the children as my grandchildren for the last two years. Because they were living with you and you were the main support um, at that time, right. it sounds like. So, Correct. well, yeah, I mean, normally I have had that happen under those same circumstances where somebody else was claiming the children and now someone new is in the picture. The IRS does matching. They're like, wait a second. Why is this person claiming? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you did a great job. Birth certificates are good, but the IRS doesn't really consider. I mean, it, yes, it considers that he's the father, but really the uh, school records or daycare or something, depending on the age of the children, something that shows medical where it lists their address, the same address as the father. So that way they know right. he was six in, months in a day. I sent in their immunization records also with the address. Perfect. I mean, just giving them all, you know, options saying, hey, wait, you know, we lived in the same home. I was the main caregiver, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's that's all. It's, it's just and of course, meanwhile, they disallowed it. They're showing he owes money because whatever, you know, but those letters will disappear once they get there. Um, and you don't be surprised. I will be honest with you. Don't be surprised if you get another letter that says we need another 45 to 60 days because we're, we're getting two to three of those letters before the resolution is actually happening. But at least we're communicating. Yeah. At least we know that there's something happening. Right, right. That's a bonus. I just wanted to Thank see you. if you thought what I had sent in would ultimately rectify the situation. It sounds like you did a great job. Seriously, it sounds like you did a very good job, and I think it will. And um, if worse scenarios, they'll come back and say, do you have any other documentation showing that they were living? But since you were the prior uh, caregiver and now it's your son, because what we run into in our office is often one, let's just say the ex is claiming them, even if they're not entitled to. And so we're arguing, wait, they shouldn't have never claimed them in the first place. Here's our proof that we were the caregivers, right? In this case, that's really not right. the situation. You Only one person claimed them. And so they're, they're not, um, you know, it's sometimes people that shouldn't claim them uh, because they aren't the main caregivers try to claim them just because they know they can get money from the children, you know? But this sounds right, like it should right. be a fairly straightforward situation once the IRS gets on the same page, which could take you a little while. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Let's hit Michael real Have quick. A good day. Thanks. Dr. Hey, Michael. Price, how are you? I am good. I got a paper return March 7th, mm -hmm. 2022, for my 2021 taxes. Heard no, I got no refund, heard nothing from the IRS. Tax refund hotline, can't give me any information. Well, on May 27th, I filed a second filing, sent it certified mail with the tracking good. number. And it was delivered June first. Still, I've heard no, I've got no refund. Heard nothing from the IRS, and the tax refund hotline can't tell me anything. And okay, I can't so reach a person with the IRS. Great, what should I, mean, I do? You're you're doing what we do, but I'm gonna tell you, Michael. Once once it shows received, it's gonna take them six weeks to post it on the online site because paper filings are taking that long just for them to get them. And I think that you did the right thing because after that long a period. It should have shown up in there, if nothing else, showing processing, right? I mean, at the, the first right. mailing. So since the first mailing got lost, whatever, I, we don't know what happens. Um, I always suggest I just sent that on one the regular. One. I sent the first one just regular mail. That was a mistake, but well, uh, that's what I, I mean. Did. There's no guarantee I have done more than one where I've had to put on the top of it. I'll put second copy, you know, uh, five months later, you know, or whatever um, to, to do it. it if. And I'm going to say anyone, Michael, first, thanks for phone calling, because that is 
probably one of the biggest things is that people mail them and they're expecting normally prior to COVID, you know, you weren't that far behind people that were filing electronically, to be quite honest. Maybe you'd have to wait a month longer or so, but it wasn't months, you know, 60, 90, 180 day difference. Um, so anyone that may have mailed them in, I'm going to say do exactly like Michael did. Um, I would actually put on the top of the return second copy just so they know that this isn't a late filing. This is my second time giving you a tax return. And I would always do um, the certified mail, just, just so you have a documentation or paper trail showing, hey, this isn't my, you know, especially if you owed money, Michael's getting a refund, it sounds like. But Michael, thank right. you for calling because that was great advice. All right. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully in about six weeks, Michael will... Um, well, hear something or at least be able to go on to the irs.gov, click where's my refund um, and be able to see, see a pending out there at least. But I would give it about six weeks. And again, if you don't see, I mean, again, like the one case I was talking about prior with the tax advocate office, I mean, um, I believe I read someplace or maybe it was in one of the, the meetings, I um, uh, phone conference things that we have with the IRS. I heard something that said that they have like a year or well, theoretically, I think two years, but like a year to process the returns. Um, but if you don't have proof, there are several cases. Um, there was one here where prior to uh, the tax changes of, uh, was it twenty? 2018, where uh, the 2106 or the employee expenses uh, disappeared. Um, many people were able to itemize because they did travel or had out-of-pocket business expenses that they were taking against their W-2 income. And there's been some interesting tax courts that have provided that unless an individual makes an election under certain tax years, no itemizing will be allowed now. So at this point, we really can only go back three years to get refunds, but we go back further because the IRS loves to do this where they, they um, file a tax return on our behalf, right? So they, they have only so much time before the collection starts and all that. So they basically have a computer that goes through and they basically pull out these returns. And I don't know who or why it's chose because I've had some people that have never filed in 20 years and they'll have a person that hasn't filed in three years and the IRS has assessed them. Some of it has to do with 1099 income. But anyway, so the IRS goes in and they file a tax return for you. And then normally what we would do, if and this could have been a 2012, I have one. 2012, the person and never filed their taxes. They had some stock sales in the business and all that. And so then we go back because the IRS had filed one and they started collections. And we're like, wait a second, we don't owe this much money. And what, you know, but the IRS is saying if that kind of situation, they're not going to allow itemizing against W-2 income unless you make a specific election under the um, IRC 63E1. So it's important to do, if you're, if you're listening to the show, and a lot of times I try to help give you guys some basics, but keep in mind that anytime you're doing anything major, like trying to fix your tax problems or get your tax returns in order, all that kind of stuff, we're going to take a break, but I'm going to tell you more about what you need to watch out for and why you might need to hire someone just to keep it out of trouble. But I see my clock is past our normal time. So I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll take more of your phone calls at 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty. 
are back here live in studio. I'm Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which is what I've been doing for 20 plus past years. And one of the things that we want to um, always keep, like I say, this show, I've been loving it. We've been doing it. I don't know. I think we, we've passed 10 years, um, maybe longer than that. I keep making myself older. I keep remembering those things. But anyway, you look at it. We've been doing this for quite a while, having a great time. Thank goodness for all you guys that listen and have listened all those years for me. Um, And one of the things about the show is I try to give you guys the basic advice of what or how to do something. But on the other hand, keep in mind that when that kind of situation comes up, you may need to get advice. For example, one of the new tax courts, the tax laws that came through tax court was they said that the tax court went on to explain that the statutory direction to elect to make an itemized deduction must be made by the taxpayer and it's a mandatory. So if the taxpayer fails to file a return, he has made no election to itemize. Therefore, the IRS is saying you've lost your opportunity. So some of you guys that sometimes say, well, I'm just not going to file or I'll wait and I'll file later. My answer to that is you may lose out. Now, right this second, to be quite honest with you, many people are not itemizing, but that does expire at the end of 2025, right? We could go back to the current, the, the past tax laws um, in which itemizing will become something that we'll probably go back to doing if they don't um, keep the laws in the books. We never know, right? So we have to prepare for both sides. So if for some reason itemizing is something that you want to do, theoretically, the IRS is saying, hey, if you don't file the tax return and we file one for you, then we're saying that you're a standard deduction and now you've not made the election to be able to itemize. So amending tax returns in the future could come down to them rejecting your itemization because you didn't file the tax return in a timely manner. Um, So um, you just want to make sure that you are able to track and deal with those kind of situations. Um, We also were talking about the individuals where you're filing I will say, guys, I know a lot of, or I shouldn't say a lot. I don't think it's a lot of people, but statistically at least, but we have a number of people that still do old school taxes where they actually prepare their tax returns. Sometimes they'll use software, they'll print it, and then they mail it. I'm going to suggest not doing that. Okay. I mean, I I get it. I understand. I mean, obviously um, I used to, but e-filing your taxes is going to give you two senses of things. One, you have proof that they've received it. Two, you also have the time clock moving a lot faster if you have a refund. Most e-files come back, most e-files come back in 21 days. Um, So when you mail it, and I get it, a lot of times when people mail, sometimes it's because they don't want to have to rush it, put a check in it. They, you know, they have that but I'm just saying that's not probably going to be your most efficient, especially if you have a refund. All right, let's get Gary in Lebanon. Hello, buddy. Yes, Dr. Friday. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate that. Thanks for uh, calling. What can I do? Yes, uh, six and a half, some land acquired, I guess, by uh, uh, eminent domain for a road, and TDOT's going to be acquiring it. Maybe a large sum of money. I'm not sure. Can you use that money for um, to avoid paying capital gains by doing a, a what is it, a 531? It's a 1031. But um, in some cases, is this tied to your primary home? No. Oh, okay. So it is a farm or just some other property that you own. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Then probably your best bet is a 1031. Now, what because is 1031? A 1031 is basically a like-kind exchange. So if you sell four acres for, I don't know, $100,000, just using an example, then you have to go buy, um, it doesn't have to be four acres, but you have to go buy some sort of land, rental, um, it could be commercial rental, residential rental, or farmland in most cases um, that would still meet it. It's just basically investment property for investment property. Okay. Are you saying I can do a 1031 exchange then? Yes, I'm saying you can, yes. Okay, it wouldn't be any problem. But it has to be, does it have to be done within a certain amount of time through a certain agency or what? No agency specific. I mean, um, most title companies have someone that will handle those. uh, But you do have 90 days to tell what property you're going to spend the money. So the money comes out of your sale, goes into escrow. At escrow, you got 90 days to actually go into another piece of property. I think there are some extensions with extenuating financing or whatever, but um, basically 90 days. And if you can't come to an agreement with uh, TDOT on the price of the property or the appraisal, uh, then then you're not selling or, I mean, with intimate domain, I mean, you have, you need a good lawyer is what my understanding is on that one, because there is rules they have to follow. But we all know they like to look at the lowest price of an appraisal. And we all like to look at the highest price and somewhere in the middle, you hope you'll meet, but it really depends on um, who you're dealing with. And you may have to, at some point, depending on, you know, if they're that far a distance, you may need to talk to an attorney on that one, you know, cause you don't want to leave money on the table just cause they're, I don't want to say bullying you, but they do have um, certain legitimate things they can do that kind of makes it harder for us when you're the landowner. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great call. All right. So we are talking about taxes, which is one of my favorite phone calls or situations that we're talking about. Yep. You can hang up on him. Um, And we're talking about things that you can do. One of the things that um, Gary was asking about, which is a 1031. Um, For any of you that may not have known what that is, that's a like kind of exchange. And um, anytime, if you've got rental real estate, any kind of investment real estate, pretty much, um, you can take that and turn it into another piece of investment and keep the tax dollars growing. Uh, I kind of think of it as a 401k concept where we put money in, it just keeps growing tax-free until we eventually sell out. Sort of like that with property. So you're able to use the tax dollars that you would normally have paid um, you know, to, to the IRS and you leave it in there your basis will change based on the basis of your old property, not what you paid for the new, because obviously you um, didn't pay tax on it. So your basis is going to be lower. And then if you have, if in this gentleman's case, I don't know, because there's land and land is not usually depreciated, but if there, in some of your guys' cases, maybe you have a piece of rental real estate. And so you would have, um, you would have two sides to that. You would have the capital gains as well as the recapture of depreciation. All of that goes into the like kind exchange and then your new basis goes in. So I have people that may bet, you know, spend a million dollars on property, but maybe only have $50,000 left in basis because they had um, already taken so much in depreciation as well as it was a very low priced property when they first started. So it is a great plan. Um, I think it's a, it's a good tax, um, 
vehicle to to know about. It's not for everyone though. I want to make sure I say that for some because sometimes doing a 1031 if you only have 50 or $60,000 in capital gains, the likeliness unless you're in the higher income brackets, the likeliness is you're paying 15%. I would maximize my 15% because, well, why not pay it now? It's going to be the same later. And then that way the IRS is not in your investment. But in some cases, it can be up to almost 24%. And that's, that's, that hurts. Um, And there are partial like kind exchanges. So again, you need to talk to a good attorney, good tax person, make sure you do that before you make those decisions to see what's going to be best for you. All right, we're going to take our second break here. You can join the show easily by picking up the phone 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. And we'll be right back with the Dr. Friday show. We are back here live in studio and uh, we are trying to making sure that my uh, head to me things open on my computer. I think it may be making a little hardship here, so hopefully not. But uh, if you have questions, you can reach us at 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. Just so you know, Lavidius, I seem to have lost our joint screen. Um, but we'll see where we're at. Who knows? Um, so if you have a question, you can reach us 99-615-737-9986. And I'm still live here. So in case I need to text my boy, he's out there. Um, so if you have questions and that way, then we can move forward. And also we'll talk a little bit about a couple different things. Like I was saying, If you have tax issues, you haven't filed taxes for a number of years, this is one of those deals where um, you want to make sure that you have somebody that is there to help you to understand what are your options? How do you get it done? What do you need to do? Because let's be honest, if you don't have any concept, any options on that, then what do you want to do about it? I mean, you can go ahead and file your taxes. If you think that you have the ability to file taxes, that's great. There's nothing that's going to hurt you on that situation, probably besides possibly leaving some money behind. Uh, I've got it back. Um, So, you know, that's, that's fine. No, no big deal on that one. But you know, you need someone that's going to represent you because sometimes you're going to get love letters and you'll sit there and go, I don't really know what they mean, how that's going to work, why it's happening. We have all that, um, you know, you're, you're working on, but the answer that comes down to it is you need to be able to have someone that can actually talk to the IRS, make the time, take a meeting. Um, and again, I get it guys right now. It is difficult. I mean, I've made a living out of resolution and it's hard to do resolution when it's taking me four or five, six months to do what used to take only a few months to get, you know, person, we get a contact, we will do things, we'll be able to move forward. Uh, but, um, you know, we are in, um, a good position with that. So we're, um, all good. Yes. Uh, Levity, just so you know, I can see everything. I'm good. Um, so, 
here's the, the situation. So first, if you haven't filed taxes for a number of years, you can only collect tax refunds for three years. And in many cases, some of you guys did not receive the stimulus. And so you have to file 20 and 21 to get the stimulus money, which means time clock's going to be sooner or later, you know, well, next few years, 20 is going to drop off first, which is the higher of the two. And then you're going to have 2021. So if you're one of those that sit there and say, oh, a little bit of a procrastinator, you know, I'm just, I, I really never really, I know I don't owe the IRS or, or I just really don't like dealing with the IRS. I, I can hear, but do you really want to leave money on the table with the IRS? Because that's something that I don't quite understand. Um, we all work very hard for the money we have. And the last thing we want to do is leave money on the table when, you know, when you don't have it. And, you know, heck, if you don't need the money, donate to somebody or give it to somebody. It's not something that you have to actually put in your own pocket for some reason if you feel like you don't want to have it. Uh, but, you know, it, it, in many cases, I know during the time when stimulus money was coming out, I really did have a number of clients that would walk in with the checks and say, hey, I want you to send this back to the IRS. I don't want it. Um, because at the time, I think many of them thought it might've been an election. Like I didn't elect to get this money. My income hasn't changed because some people, you know what? I mean, we live in Tennessee. Some people obviously are living on what people in California or New York may consider a lot less money, but they were all qualified for the stimulus, even though nothing had changed. They did not lose any of their jobs. They didn't lose anything, but yet they got the money. And so, you know, basically just told them, go, go give it to charity, go give it to someone that is having a hard time, go help somebody else that you have something that you wanted to make sure is um, going to be a part of, um, you know, a, a good, good way of making the money work for you, not the other way around. So if you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. One of the people that uh, I'm always reading all these little blogs and different things. And I thought it was funny that somebody said Congress should permanently extend the filing deadline. Keep in mind that no matter what the filing deadline is, it's never going to be the deadline that you probably want. I have people that will always wait to the last minute. Then I have people that come in first week of February, paperwork's all organized. All they have is a few W-2s, a little mortgage interest, some stock sales, whatever, totally organized. Many of my clients, to be quite honest, because either they are they have multiple investments and investments often come in later, or they are self-employed, which of course, you know, you have to still reconcile December, which you don't really get to until January, which, you know, usually at least February is the earliest you could even do it. And you still have to make journal entries for, you know, assets and different things that happen in the last two years with PPP and ERTC. Um, and I want to talk about that earn employee retention tax credit, because some of you guys may need to go back and amend tax returns. Uh, but anyways, so you have all these different things and you just need to make sure your books are right before you file taxes, right? So again, if you have questions or you need help with that kind of thing, not a problem. That's what we do all the time. But one of the other things I want to talk about employee retention tax credit. We're doing it for a lot of our clients. We're getting the money, finally coming back in. It's helping. It's a great thing. But keep in mind, 
that if you're using 2020 information or 2021, I think most of ours are using 2021, that once you get that money, you have to go back and amend those tax returns, back out the, the, the taxes that you wrote off, and that becomes income to you, the difference of whatever it is. And I have several people that you know had a large number of, of those kind of situations. So again, just want to make sure um, that you have the ability to, um, you know, that you understand that this is not like PPP or something where you have that situation. So, um, we just want to be, okay, let's go to Jack in Franklin. Hello, Jack. Yes. I'm uh, looking for some help as where we loan the boys some money to buy a house. Mm-hmm. And he's been paying on it each month and so forth, I really. And they tell me that I have to turn that money in. The interest I made on that, there's a three and a half percent tax mm-hmm. deal or so forth. He's got that loan about half paid off. Is there any way we can that loan can be forgiven? Otherwise, we'll just drop the uh, the rest of the loan and say, hey, you don't owe us anymore any time or so <laughs> forth, I really. Yeah, Jack's, Jack's sitting there going, this is more work than what I intended it to be in the first place. Um, yes, there is a way of doing that. This is your child, correct? Your son? Yes. Okay. Um, is your son married? Uh, no. Okay. Are you married? Yes, ma'am. 60 okay. years. Congratulations. I'd be lucky to make it 60 days. Oh my goodness. Um, so what you guys can do is there's a lifetime, um, of $11 million we can gift to anyone theoretically, but depending on the amount, the first 15,000 that you give to your son and your wife gives to your son, that is not something that has to be reported anything above that. So let's say it's a $50,000 loan. You can gift him 30, under the normal, and then you'd have to take 20 out of your lifetime gifting. And if it's a $200,000 loan, same thing, 15, uh, 30 would go and then 170 would be, um, you know, would be gifted. There's no taxes um, on either side because you've already paid tax on the money when you gave it to your son and um, and he's just paying you back. So this, uh, you would have to file a one-time gift tax return in the year which you forgave it, but there is nothing else that would stop you from doing it. Nope. Okay, so you're saying now uh, this is uh, this is about ten years old. He's been paying each time, and uh, he still owes a uh, hundred and twenty thousand dollars on this mm-hmm. loan. Right. I so he owes one hundred twenty. You can give him thirty, and then the remaining ninety thousand would be gifted on a gift tax return that you and your wife would file. And you just basically put his name, social security number, the amount of gifting, and it comes out of your eleven million dollar lifetime it's not a big deal. I mean, right now, you know, you're probably not going okay. to give that much away. Otherwise it taken, uh, I don't have to take and pay uh, that interest I've made <laughs> on, uh, on the boy when he pays me back the loan. So much is of it is interest. Do I have to file that as ordinary income on my taxes? Well, in theory, yes. I mean, because it was set up as a loan, he may have wrote off the interest on his personal tax return because for years there was itemizing. Um, last couple of years, probably not. Uh, but in the yeah, you know, in in all honesty, yes, you do need to be reporting and correcting those years to be straightforward. Yes. What What if he hasn't been paying me monthly on that? I mean, that's that's my fault or. 
Uh, if he don't pay me, why should I, mean, I pay the government? Right. I mean, the fact is, if you didn't get any interest and you just say it was a family loan between the two, I'm not an attorney, but um, there's nothing stopping you from that. If he did not, uh, but if he wrote it off on his tax return as interest, then then it was interest. Right. Mm -hmm. So you would just reduce his loan by the total dollar amount he paid you and nothing happened. But if he was itemizing, I you don't really have a choice. No, he does not itemize. Mm -hmm. No. OK, then you would just instead of uh, again, I don't know the paperwork. I'm not an attorney. But from the tax standpoint, it sounds like you could just reduce the loan by the 100 percent that, you know, that he paid you no interest on it. So you would have to back okay. out whatever the original loan was. You would back out all the interest and just apply his payments to whatever he owed you. You can't get any interest on your money. Otherwise, you need to turn around no, and pick I, that up as income. Okay. No, I don't want to get any interest on it. All I want to do is keep from having to amend all your tax and, returns. Uh, on my tax return, I hate to report that, you know, uh, yeah. uh, $1,200 or uh, how much interest I made from him. Right so forth i got like that's what i'm trying to for, forgive the whole loan is so i don't have to take and file that on my income tax right i mean it's probably only a, a few hundred dollars a year but anyway you look at it that's up to you how you want to you know forgive it or whatever but that would be the way to do it is just forgive the loan and and uh file the you know gift tax return and that way then he doesn't have to pay you and you don't have to worry about filing interest there you go. Okay. So I just let my uh, uh, tax return person. Yep. Just let them know say, that you hey. gifted your son so much money and they'll know exactly what to do. Okay. Uh, I, but I can only give him, we can only give him the 30000 per year away from that 120000 he owes us or so. Right. I mean, you could give him the whole thing. It's just that the first 30000 will be without a gift tax return. Everything above that falls on the gift tax return. So you can forgive all 120. I mean, that's not a problem. In one year, you can forgive it all. It's just the, you need to file a gift tax return. Okay. And otherwise, I, in the future, I still, I don't have to pay any of that or so forth. Then. That is correct. Once it's forgiven. Yes. Tax is to file a gift tax return. Yep. And that way you've forgiven the loan and he's been gifted the money. God, good. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Well, I hear the story on this there, and they say, well, you can't do it, and so forth. And I thought, well, you know, we've been giving him, you know, both of the boys, you know, it's ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 every year. Absolutely. The way it is, I go, it's right. a gift deal. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, no, that's the way it is most of the time. But, yeah, so just, and then that way you can take it off the books, and it's no longer there um, on the books. So Good. he doesn't owe it to you. Uh, okay. I believe I understand it. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. All right. Um, do we have time, Lavidius, for one more call or do you want to break? You got it. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and get Chris after this break. We'll be right back. All righty. We are back here live in studio and Chris was cool enough to wait all the way through that break. So let's go right to Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for waiting. Uh, that. $14 million family exemption you were just talking about. Does that apply yes. to siblings as well? Does that apply to who? Siblings. 
Yes. I mean, any individual can give any individual that dollar amount, $15,000. I think it actually went up to 16 here, but I was going to look it up. But let's no, just go I'm with 15. I'm talking about the, the $14 million exemption. Oh, oh, the $11 million that each, yeah, each Atlanta, individual, yeah. yeah, each individual right now under current tax law has an $11 million gift taxing. Yes. Lifetime. That's your lifetime. So if you exceed that, then you will have to pay taxes. Is that to any individual or just to a family any member? individual? There is no family generational requirement. Huh. So I can put a okay. person off the street and go give them a million dollars if I had a million dollars to do. And they don't have to pay taxes on it. They would not. The person giving the money always has to pay the tax. So uh -huh. you would have to make sure it's tax free before you start gifting it away. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thanks for waiting. All righty. So again, this is the Dr. Friday show. I thought this was an interesting fact. Okay. So we all know cryptocurrency, right? Which we're all learning a little bit. It did not exist in 1955. So is it time for us to update National Tax Day? National Tax Day, which we all know, that's what we call April 15th Tax Day, right? Um, hasn't been modified since 1955. In 1955, the federal tax code was 929 pages. Sometimes I wish I was living in those days. Not really. 1955, I don't think I'd be running what I do. Today, the federal tax code is 6,600 pages. Um, filing deadlines haven't changed and we've added more to the, uh, ability to our accuracy and you know, obviously technology, right? We have the ability back in 1955, I can tell you back in 19, early 1970s, my father had an accounting firm and I know all of us kids and there was eight of us, right? We would go in, we were his auditing crew, we would run uh, tapes, we would add receipts, all kinds of different things uh, to help during tax time. Um, and everything was paper, right? Everything was paper. I think uh, DOS didn't come out until probably in the 80s, I'm guessing. Um, I'm probably right or wrong on that. Who knows? But bottom line is there really wasn't computers in those days. Um, I remember we would print out checks for him and there was this really cool old machine where you put in the dollar amount. It was like a money order, right? And you imprinted that information. You pulled this big handle. Um, all of that was what I remember working with my father. But again, 1955 to today, we have had a lot of changes in tax code. Um, along with a lot of people that were not even actually required to file in the beginning when, when taxes first started to today. And that's the thing that always gets me when it comes to taxes, right? Because they'll put in a tax code and everyone thinks, oh my gosh, I, no one's going to have to worry about it because it's a hundred thousand dollars or it's $200,000. But then inflation keeps hitting and people's pay rates go up. And next thing you know, the average person in the United States is making $55,000 or something like this or 35. And no matter what, it's still higher than most of the tax codes requirements. When everybody went and got raised is instead of making $12 an hour, now they're making $20 an hour, which kicks them out of, in some cases, the earned income credits. So again, some of this comes in, but they, they just leave it. They don't 
they don't move the line for inflation or anything else. They just, they pass it at a certain dollar amount, knowing that 10, 15 years from now, instead of having 10% of the taxpayers paying this tax, they're going to have 60% of the taxpayers because everybody's income is going to increase and they're all going to have to start paying this tax. So I always love it when they say that they're looking at a tax, but it's really only going to affect, quote, the rich. But the rich, what, you know, is, in my opinion, personal opinion, that is a terminology that is, is a very big, broad situation. I mean, if you're raised in a, a small town in the South and, you know, you may consider, you know, making 35 or $40,000, oh, I'll be rich when I'm making that much money. And then, you know, if you move from California or someplace, you might think $150,000, I'll be making money. But doesn't make a difference. It's always the interpretation of the rich that usually ends up being more like eight, 10, 15% of all society starting to have to pay it, but they pass it only on the rich. Um, so it is funny when you see those kind of terminologies and people saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm, we're not going to have to worry about this one because it won't affect us because we're not going to be there. But how about your children? You know, is, is, is your children going to be in the same position you are, or is it going to be a situation where your children may have to pay tax on these things because of it? Just like one of the tax laws I'm opposed to one of the tax laws. Well, there's a couple, but one is they wanted to eliminate uh, Biden one to eliminate the step up in basis for inheritance. So instead of when your parents pass away, you get the home of the value at the date that they passed away, not what they paid for it. Um, when they did it, but when they passed away, which can be huge. Some people have lived in their homes for 20 and 30 years. So instead of the house being worth 30 or $40,000, it's now worth 300 or $400,000. And, you know, they, you would under Biden's rule would have been, you'd have to go back to the 30 or 40, which I'm not even too sure how we know what the parents paid for the house um, to start out with, because it's not something that a lot of people have the documentation for, but that's what, you know, so making these rules that doesn't sound like it's really going to affect people, you know, is, is kind of a stretch because it often is one of those situations where it is going to affect another tax law that I really don't like in, um, and, you know, Clinton and a, a couple of these people, um, put in, which were taxing social security. We work our whole life for social security. We pay in and we pay tax on that money when it goes in. It's not tax-free. We pay tax on money that went into social security. So when it comes back out, it just kind of seems like it should still be tax-free. But no, if you are a person that's making more than 35000 as a single, and I think it's 40000 as a married couple, um, and and this is the provisional tax code, which also means that they take half of your social security to come up to that number. So if you're making $20,000 a year in social security, 10 of it goes into that 35,000. So you can make $25,000 and then be tax-free. But other than that, you just want to make sure that you have uh, the information to make really good tax decisions and know how or what you're going to do. All righty, guys, it's been an awesome Saturday. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I have being here. And I really appreciate all the phone calls. Um, or you can check out the web, drfriday.com.